Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Baseline Banter. Pleasure to have you back for another week of talking IU baseball. My name is Stefan Kreisnik, one of the IU baseball beat reporters, and I'm joined by my fellow beat reporter, Jared Rigdon. What's up, Jared? A little cold outside, but ready to talk some baseball. <laughs> yeah, certainly not baseball weather. We're, I think we're supposed to be getting there maybe in the next maybe two after, months. Maybe we have to get back from spring break. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, let's get to it. IU baseball now sits at 6-5 and five on the season after going 2-1 and one this past weekend. They were just a few outs away from going 3-0, and but still feels like a successful weekend for the team. Jared, what are some things you like that you saw from the team this weekend? You definitely got some improved starting pitching out there. Paulie Milto went out and did what he does best. He went eight innings. He gave up a three-run home run, but that was in the eighth. He was kind of winding down there. I think Mercer probably would have been better off taking him out in the seventh. Solid pitching from him. Tanner Gordon had a decent outing. Tommy Summer had a good outing. But then you had the bats start to wake up a little bit. Uh, we saw in the midweek games, uh, Logan Kalitha and Matt Gorski start to hit the ball even better than they had been. Matt Gorski with a grand slam on Saturday against UConn. Uh, Cole Barr had another home run. Logan Kalitha drew Ashley a couple solid games there this weekend. So the bats are starting to wake up and the starting pitching starting to be a little bit more consistent. Yeah, certainly, like you had mentioned there, the bats, I mean, scoring, let's see, six runs that first game, nine runs on Saturday and five runs on Sunday. That's certainly a number that you feel like the team would be comfortable with. Would you agree? Yeah, I, w- I would definitely agree with that. Especially with the starting pitching that they, they've shown to have at, at times this season. When the starting pitching's at its best, I think that's what's shown. And, I mean, great starting pitching this weekend for IU. Tanner Gordon struggled a little bit in his outing uh, early on, but kind of kind of settled down as the game went on. And then Sunday you had another quality start from, uh, from Tommy Summer, but – kind of slips away from the team in the ninth. Uh, IU allows three runs to Coastal Carolina, uh, one coming off a bases-loaded walk, and then a bases-loaded single. So what do you think kind of fell apart in that ninth inning for IU there? I, I mean, they 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 got in a little bit of a, a tricky situation, loaded up the bases, and had to bring someone in out of the bullpen. And it's never easy to pitch with the bases loaded, especially in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, it was a Sunday morning game at noon, uh, playing the host team in Coastal Carolina. Uh, they just put themselves in a tricky situation. Ended up walking a runner in, and then just gave up a single to end the game right there. They put them in. A, they put themselves in a really good position to win the ball game. Uh, they've just got to execute better. And maybe, maybe Grant Sloan's not the guy you bring in at that point. Maybe you bring in a Cal Kruger or, or a Matt Lloyd. Maybe I'm not really sure if Mercer was trying to play the situation there. Uh, maybe just trying to get the out and play for extra innings. Who knows? But uh, you got to be able to execute in the bottom of the ninth inning if you want to knock off those top-level teams. Yeah, I think that's interesting, as you mentioned, is Grand Sloan coming in that situation. I guess one thing that you could say is on Saturday, IU had Cal Kruger and Matt Lloyd both go out there, so maybe he was trying to save those arms. But Grand Sloan also pitched on Saturday as well. So it it, it does make – I don't want to say I'm questioning Mercer's decision. Obviously mm-hmm. – He's in a much better situation to make make that decision than you and I can be sitting here. Yeah, especially looking, you know, in retrospect. But when you, I just I just don't know if Grant Sloan is a guy in that situation. And Manis, you expect him to be a little bit better. He gave up one of those runs in the ninth. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, two of those runs came on bases loaded, yeah, you, four pitch walks. I mean, you cannot do that. At least if you're gonna lose, if you're gonna lose, make him hit the ball. Don't don't give him chances to score runs by walking them in. Make Coastal hit the ball because maybe they roll over on a ball you ground them and do play the games over. Maybe they fly out to outfield and maybe it's a sacrifice fly. But at least you're down to two outs and you get that runner off of third, and it's a more manageable situation. You can't 
try and pitch around people just because you're nervous because the bases are loaded. you got to come right at them. Yeah, I 100% agree. And not even the the manner of walking him, but in terms of walking two guys on four pitches, I mean, you got to at least challenge the batter. you got to mm-hmm. at least throw one strike in there, make him swing at something. And like you mentioned, possibly roll over into a double play. I think you know, it, it's a very simple thing to say. You could say this for almost any baseball team, but the Achilles heel on offense, we've said all year, has been striking out. Oh, yeah. But in terms of pitching, the Achilles heel has been controlling the ball, not walking guys. I mean, when IU is walking batters, that's when they have their struggles. And, I mean, you see it all the time. I mean, you give up a leadoff walk, comes around a score, and in this situation, you're giving up walks late in the innings. I mean, do would you say that's the only problem right now for the pitching staff? I think there's, that's something we have noticed, and that kind of ties in with kind of some of the struggles that Wyatt Cross has had behind the plate. We, they've played multiple doubleheaders already in the season. Wyatt Cross has had a lot of catching responsibilities to spell Ryan Feynman, who can't go out there and catch 50 games in a season. But Wyatt Cross had struggles with Gabe Bierman last Tuesday, had struggles on Saturday in the second game. So the the pitching control has been something that has been something you need to watch because they have been walking a lot of batters, they've been hitting a lot of batters, and they've also just been not throwing a lot of strikes, especially out of the bullpen. It's put it's put the bullpen in, in a, a really bad situation, but they're doing it to themselves. Yeah, and I think would you do you think it's a matter of only Given White Cross some more time back there, do you think that is just something that's going to get better as the season progresses, or is that something that IU needs to immediately start looking at and potentially look at another option behind the plate? I mean, you'd think at this point, I mean, White Cross is a senior, same age as Ryan Feynman. You think that they could trust him to go out there and be solid behind the plate? I know we talked to Mercer on Tuesday after the uh, Cincinnati game about some of the struggles that he had catching Gabe Bierman's sinker. There is some level of acceptance to that because of the the level of difficulty that Gabe Bierman's pitch brings. But at the same time, you're a senior. You're you're relied on to go out there and spell Ryan Feynman, who is also a senior, because Ryan Feynman can't catch every game. He can't go nine innings three or four times a week. It just would kill his legs, and that's not good for the health of this ball club. So you have to you have to trust White Cross back there. But at some point, you got to look like, okay, if he can't catch the balls back there, we're giving up easy runs because. He just can't catch the ball. Yeah, it, it was uh, against Butler that he struggled, not Cincinnati, oh, that yep, White Cross yep, struggled. Right. But, I mean, still the same thing. I mean, we, you know, seeing it on the box score in terms of the struggles Cross had against UConn is one thing. But when you see it live, I mean, did it feel like at some of those times that even some things that were considered a wild pitch, I would consider more of a pass ball. I mean, it just seemed like, I mean, one of them just went straight through his legs. It was just a lot of, it was, it was a lot I mean, of both of them, I think. Do you think, do you think, well, I guess they played at South Carolina, so it wasn't cold. But let's let's use that Butler game. Do you think that might have been weather playing an issue, or do you think it, that's not I think what it was? A bit both. I think also you're seeing a lot of young guys go out there and get innings. I mean, Gabe Beerman, a freshman, Braden Tucker, a freshman, and a lot of younger guys go out there. And Tanner Gordon, new guy on the team. Tommy Summer didn't pitch a lot last year, so there's a lot of new pitchers, and then you're trying to pair that with new catchers. I mean, pitchers and catchers are used to working together for a while so Ryan uh, Ryan Feynman and Paulie Milton aren't going to have trouble communicating with each yeah. other because they've been pitching together and catching together for four years but when you start to put new guys together in that pitching catching combination it makes for some difficulties especially early season especially with the weather yeah I think that that's a great point to touch on is I mean even Tanner Gordon this is his first year with IU you mentioned Beerman I mean he's he's is in his first year as well I I think in terms of why cross I think that it'll get better as the season goes on, the struggles behind the plate. But, I mean, we saw this weekend he had a home run. He brings something to the table offensively that the team could use. I mean, that's a strong left-handed bat for the team. 
Do you, do you think maybe playing him more at DH so you can at least get some consistent time at the plate yeah, and then be I, able to come in when he's catching to also get those at-bats? I think especially with catchers, you often see them, when they're not hitting the ball well, they're getting a little bit more nervous on defense because then their defense has to be stronger if they're not hitting the ball. So I think giving White Cross a, White, White Cross a couple more at-bats out there will help loosen them up a little bit because I feel like he's really stiff and he's really nervous right now, and that's leading to some struggles behind the plate as well as at the plate. So giving him a couple bats when you have a righty pitcher in there, maybe in a midweek contest or in a uh, Saturday or Sunday game, that'll kind of loosen him up a little bit there and give him a little bit more confidence behind the plate as well. Yeah, and I think that one thing that if if I was wide cross, how I would look at the situation is, I mean, there's really not another option behind him right now to come in and catch. No. and. He's also not at the risk of really losing the playing time that he has because he's going into the season knowing that Ryan Feynman is going to be that catcher for IU. And White Cross is more of a guy that's going to be used to give Feynman a rest. And that role isn't going to go away whether Feynman could, or whether Cross continues to struggle or not. I feel like that role is there for him to just take advantage of us. It's, 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 as much as Feynman is locked in at the one spot, Cross is locked in at the two spot. He's going to get his time there. So if you are White Cross, I think you at least have the benefit of yeah, you're struggling right now, but you're not at the risk of losing your job. Would no. you agree? Yeah, I just think he needs to kind of loosen up a little bit, go out there and play his style of ball, which is just come in there, spell Feynman a little bit, and then get some hits and get the offense going a little bit. Yeah, it's certainly a strange situation when you have a senior that hasn't really had. Catchers, it's yeah, really, and one of them hasn't really had much playing time. So every time you see, you see Y Cross in here, you feel like it's a young guy coming in, but this is someone that's been around this pitching staff for a while that mm-hmm. you think the team should be comfortable with. I, I think so. I think I think it's just a matter of getting some reps in. Obviously, since he's not catching every day, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to sit on the bench for nine innings of a ball game and and not be able to go out there and get some reps in. So I think just the more he gets comfortable this year. I mean, every every new season is something different. So as he starts to get more comfortable with this season with this pitching staff, I think you'll start to see the results become a little bit more solid. Yeah, and then one thing we saw in those two midweek games IU had last week against Cincinnati and Butler was. Uh, the starting pitching, Alex Franklin and Gabe Bierman. I mean, two young guys coming in for IU pitching well. What are your just first impressions of seeing them on the mound, seeing them live on the mound? I, I think they, they were pretty solid for, and, and they were two guys that, that Mercer expects uh, to pitch. I mean, not a lot, but at least. You decent, said they would a, get meaningful innings. A decent innings. amount of innings yeah. this year. I mean, Gabe Bierman had a talk about that sinker. That, that Gabe Bierman throws a legit sinker, and he went, I believe he went four innings strong uh, before ever running into trouble. Uh, and then Alex Franklin went a couple innings too. I mean, them, but also the bullpen. The bullpen was solid in two midweek contests. We got to see a lot of a couple of different people. We saw Cam Bochamp. We saw uh, Andrew Salfrank. Um, uh, Andrew Salfrank looked very yeah, good in his we, three innings. We saw a little bit of Braden Tucker there at the end of the ball game. So a lot of guys got got to uh, throw some pitches in these two midweek contests, and they got two solid victories. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect example of the game. That IU lost this weekend versus the games that they had won. It all came down to the bullpen. I think mm-hmm. IU, when the bullpen is performing, has one of the stronger bullpens in the country. I mean, when you have a guy like Andrew Solfrank, when he's on and when he's pitching well and when that breaking ball is working, could very likely be a weekend starter for yeah. you, let alone a guy that you have out of the bullpen. And then you look at a guy like Connor Manis that got some starts last year. You got him coming out of the bullpen. Brian Tucker, I feel like, has been impressive in his first few right. outings. Cal Kruger. And, and then, and then not to mention Cal Kruger, B-Champ, and uh, Matt Lloyd as well. So that's a lot of arms out of that bullpen when they play at their best, how you can utilize. And and not and we knocked Grant Sloan a little bit earlier, whether or not he was the right kind of situation. But that's also an arm that I think Mercer can be comfortable with. So I think, I mean, I think moving forward, 
as long as the bullpen, I think IU baseball will be as good as a bullpen allows it to be. Would you, or do you disagree with that? I think that based on what I've seen so far, I mean, you're going to get Pauly Milter, you're going to get solid starts. Mm-hmm. Tanner Gordon struggled a little bit, and you you kind of assume that might have happened because he's coming from JUCO ball. JUCO ball is not the same as yeah, Division One baseball. I mean, I mean, his first start is on the road in the cold against Memphis, and then he has to pitch Tennessee, and he also pitches against UConn. I mean, those are three relatively solid ball clubs. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tennessee's still undefeated this year, and UConn's a top, the 25, top 25 team. team. So right now it looks like the bullpen's going to have to pitch a lot of innings to spell Tommy Sumner and spell Tanner Gordon. And so the more they get reps at the beginning of the year and later in the year when starting pitching starts to go longer and get a little bit more solid, that bullpen's going to be able to come in and shut them down at the end of the ballgame. Yeah, mentioning Tanner Gordon there, I think people that have been around IU baseball uh, – don't look at Logan Kalitha as an example of what everyone coming from Juco should be. Logan Kalitha was an exception, not an example of how dominant he was last season. Yeah, I think it's different for everyone. I mean, it's it's all of like the pace of play when it comes to Big Ten baseball is so much different than from Juco. Everything's faster. Everything's Everyone's stronger. Everyone can hit the ball. When you go to Juco, you got some guys that can hit the ball and some guys that really can't. But when you come to Big Ten baseball, everyone can hit the ball. So Tanner Gordon's got to pick his spots. He's got to know what pitches are right, which ones are wrong. And it's, start, it's just an adjustment period for him right now. You're seeing more solid starts as the time goes on. But I think near the end of the year, start a Big Ten play, you're going to see a lot more out of Tanner Gordon. Yeah, and I think it's says a lot about what Tanner Gordon has brought in uh, in terms of what they've seen in practice and stuff because from day one he's been their Saturday starter and you know looking forward to the upcoming weekends I think that he's going to remain in that spot so I think that he definitely has that ability has that potential I mean there's a reason Mercer has trusted him this much so I think going forward you're going to continue to see Tanner Gordon in that role and I think as I mentioned if you're gonna you know what you're going to get out of Pauly Milto the way Tommy Summer has been pitching so far this season you're almost even more confident in him going on Sunday with with the way he's been I pitching you, so far. I think you like him in a Sunday role because come Sunday you you really want to win. You need a solid performance. Your bullpen's pretty, sometimes pretty gassed by the time you get to Sunday. So if you have a guy that can go give you five or six innings on a Sunday afternoon, I think that's what Jeff Mercer really likes out of that that third guy in the rotation. Yeah, and then and then if Tanner Gordon can step up and continue to pitch to the potential that the team believes he has. It's just going to come down to the bullpen each each weekend. That's what it feels like. And that's not saying that every single game is, is coming down to the bullpen. I mean, yeah. You're going to have games where the offense struggles, yeah, where starting pitching struggles. Yeah. But I think overall, in the grand scheme of things, I think this team will be as good as its bullpen allows it to be. But uh, let's let's move forward and let's bring back everyone's favorite segment, definitely my favorite segment, Rigdon's Relay. Uh, we did this last week. I think it was a booming success for everyone that listened. So Jared is going to break down three takeaways he had from this weekend uh, before we begin to look ahead to what's coming up. So Jared, take it away. Yeah, it was just a, a much better weekend overall. Um, and I think you could agree with that, Stefan. But, I mean, they had a solid win over Northeastern, a tournament ball club from last year, a solid win over UConn, a near victory over Coastal Carolina. You don't want to call a close loss a moral victory, but they definitely saw some flashes that they liked uh, out of – uh, out of their ball club going in against a top 15 team in the nation. Uh, with Matt Gorski back in the lineup, he was back on Tuesday and Wednesday, but he was back full-time in the lineup this weekend, and he certainly produced at a grand slam against UConn. I mean, he's just tearing the ball off the cover right now. He's batting uh, 344 with uh, four home runs, 12 RBIs, and, and this is just in eight games. Uh, and then if you look at the team overall, you can tell that this is a team that can compete with anybody. I think 
realizing that after beating a UConn team that had taken two against Louisville, who was a consensus top 10 team to begin the, st- the season, IU, when their bats are clicking, when their starting pitching is clicking, and when that bullpen is back there really solid, IU can beat anybody in the nation. I have no doubts about that. And we saw that this weekend against UConn, and we saw that against Coastal Carolina. Yeah, I think one point I want to touch up on is, I mean, we talk about Matt Gorski. It feels like every single week we talk it's, about Matt it's Gorski. hard not to. And what he's done for this team. But, I mean, those stats, those, that's an, he's only played eight games this season because he has that three-game series he missed against Tennessee. And he has the most hits on the team. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely incredible what he does. I feel like every time we get a notification on Twitter with something related to IU baseball, it's Matt Gorski either hitting a home run or making a great play in the outfield. I mean, he's just doing everything for IU. Going into the season, we talked about how he's probably the closest thing to a five-tool player there is in, in collegiate baseball right now. I mean, he really does it all for IU. Having him back in the lineup, how important is he to IU? Oh, it's, it's unprecedented. I mean, he's played in eight games. He has the most hits on the team. He has tied for the most home runs, and he has the most RBIs out of the one hole. I mean, we saw him on Sunday and moved to that center field role to spell Kalitha a little bit. He played left field last year. He's been playing right field all this year. He can play all three outfield positions. I mean, I mean that's not an easy thing to do. Most people think it is, but I mean, playing left field compared to playing right field is a whole different ball game. And then you have him back at the top of the lineup with Drew Ashley coming in that two role now, uh, and then Kalitha and Lloyd and Feynman. I mean, it's unpre- It's it's crazy how essential he is to this ball club. Yeah, and him batting in that leadoff role, I think it's completely paid off in terms of what Mercer wanted because mm-hmm. those guys at the bottom are getting on base for Gorski, and he's taking advantage of it and bringing runs in. And I think it, what is scary to think about is as good as IU's offense was this weekend, you still didn't have an overall great weekend from a guy like Kalitha or a guy like Matt Lloyd or a guy like yeah, Ryan Feynman. struggled on Sunday. I mean, when those guys start to click, how good is this IU offense going to be? I think it's it, – it's going to be very solid. You have the guys at the bottom of the lineup, as long as they're getting on base, that that's what makes this IU team even stronger is the bottom of this lineup with Jeremy Houston and a guy like Justin Walker. And even if Drew Ashley's down there batting in the eight hole like he has been sometimes, is if they get on, that makes the top of the lineup so much scarier because if people are trying to pitch around them, uh, and they're going to do so much damage when they let a ball just come right down the pipe and Matt Gorski lets one rip. <laughs> Because I'm, wait, I'm waiting for him to put one on the bypass at Bart Kaufman because I mean, it's going to happen soon. It's, it's crazy because when you think about baseball, you think about how much, you know, you can have one guy that just does outstanding, but the team really struggles. I mean, we saw, you could talk about, let's say, Manny Machado last year while he was on the Orioles. I mean, you have one guy that's raking the ball, but aside from him, you know, it, it's really a team sport where you need everyone yeah. to produce together. But, I mean, it feels like Gorski could just carry this team on his own this year. I mean, obviously that's not what IU wants, but, I mean, it's just incredible what he's been able to do to this point. I think he's only moving up MLB draft boards. The better, the better he plays, the better the rest of the team plays. I mean, we talked to Logan Kalitha after Wednesday's <laughs> game, and we asked him about Gorski, and he goes, he pretty much said that guy's just unbelievable. I mean, they watch him every day in practice. They watch him take cuts in the cage. They watch his demeanor on the field. So everyone wants to produce at the same level as Matt Gorski is producing. So if he's, got, he, he's uh, making these guys even better – that's going to do wonders for the rest of this IU lineup if Matt Gorski continues to produce at this rate. Yeah, and here's here's a little clip of what Khalifa exactly had to say uh, after after Wednesday's game against Butler in terms of what Matt Gorski brings to the lineup. I mean, the dude's unreal. Uh, he works extremely hard, great all-around player. Um, I mean, I love him in the leadoff spot, too, because the dude just sets the tone no matter what. Walk, he's fast, obviously, steals bases, infield hits. Um, 
uh, it's a perfect spot for him, and I'm excited for the future. All right, yeah, so I think you see firsthand there just how important Gorski is to this team and just how much his teammates thrive off of him. So definitely a big piece for IU moving forward. And what's up next for IU will be a three-game tournament in Seattle, Washington for the Safeco Field Tournament. Uh, IU will take on Washington, Oregon State, and San Diego on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, respectively. Oregon State, the number four team in the nation, according to D1 Baseball. And then you got Washington and San Diego, two very respectable teams in terms of RPI for IU. Uh, really, really tough weekend coming up for, for IU baseball here. But, Ridden, what are your thoughts on on the on this weekend ahead? Yeah, I mean, this is a chance to – it's a different uh, kind of aspect of the U.S. than they've been ex- uh, accustomed to playing uh, so far. They played in Tennessee and they played in Carol- uh, South Carolina. Now they're going all the way to Washington. Different. It's a little bit of a time adjustment. Uh, not many people on IU's roster from the West Coast got Ryan Feynman. But this is a little bit of an adjustment going three hours – difference in the time zone uh you got a tough weekend with oregon state i mean this is a consensus top five team that's a, this the is a national championship yeah, contender year in and year and, out i mean washington made the college world series last year uh and then you got a san diego ball club that iu went and played last year in san diego when they were a top 15 team in the nation so this is a chance to give iu a lot of top level wins that right now they're just missing and they're not going to make up for in big 10 play except against like a minnesota or a michigan but if they can go and take at least two ball games this weekend, doesn't even matter who they are. They can beat Washington and San Diego and play it close against Oregon State. That's going to give them a lot of respect on the national level. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. I think one thing that you see a lot in collegiate sports, especially with a team from the Big Ten, is they usually don't go into these non-conference games play against such powerhouse schools. I mean, you'll see it every now and then in basketball when you got the ACC Big Ten Challenge or something mm-hmm. along those lines. But just how big of an opportunity is it for IU this weekend to, I think, going in, you two goals, two wins is the goal. I mean, if you get three, that's absolutely astounding. But yeah, would you say that two goals is probably, I keep saying that, two wins is the goal this weekend? Yeah, I think they would like to have two wins. I mean, you'd like to beat an Oregon State, but once again, this, that's going to be a tough challenge. I mean, uh, they get Oregon State on Saturday, likely going to be Tanner Gordon. So, I mean, just keep adding fuel to the fire on Tanner Gordon. Yeah. And they're, they're really giving him a tough <laughs> tough adjustment period. That's just another top-level team that he's going to have to face. But if you can get Paulie Milto out there on Friday night, 10 p.m. first pitch Eastern Standard Time, be 7, p- uh, 7 p.m. Pacific Time, if you can get Milto to set the tone for the weekend, maybe get the bats going there a little bit, who knows what the weather is going to be like. It's Washington. It's, it's Seattle. It's, <laughs> it's usually rain, I mean, 24-7, so we'll see what the weather's like. But if they can set the tone, uh, get those bats rolling, hopefully bring some momentum into Oregon State, they have a chance to take at least two, maybe three ball games this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it'll be – I think you touched up on it. I think Pauly Milto's start on Friday is going to be extremely important because going into Saturday, I mean, if Tanner Gordon isn't on his A game, you got to hope that the bullpen is available to go and, and be strong in that game mm-hmm. against Oregon State. And then, you know, Sunday you got Tommy Sommer who you're confident in, but – it's just a domino effect. If you got Milto, if he could do what he does on Friday nights, it's going to make the bullpen so much more available Saturday and Sunday and make it so much easier for, for the team to be able to take out a starter early if he's struggling. So I think Paulie Milto start Friday against Washington. If IU wants to win two out of three, I think that Washington game is a must win. Yeah, I think, and, and with these tournaments, it's so weird. You're not game planning for just one opponent. I mean, uh, Oregon State and uh San Diego have to game plan for two, three opponents depending on uh, depending on when they play. So it's it's quite unusual when it comes to these tournaments. But yeah, if 
Pauling Milto sets the tone, it's going to change a lot of aspects because then Tanner Gordon's going to go out there like, okay, facing a top five ball club, got to be on my A game, and maybe the bats start to pick it up a little bit. Yeah, well, it'll certainly be an interesting interesting weekend up ahead for IU. A tough weekend, but a chance to get some really, really big wins in terms of the RPI and when you start looking at the postseason. Uh, but Jared, I hope you enjoyed discussing IU baseball with me as always. I hope you, the listeners, enjoyed our discussion today. We appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we are always looking for good input uh, or bad input, whatever you have to say, mm-hmm. whatever you think about uh, what we've been talking about. So feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, as always. I'm at S-K-R-A-J-I-S-N-I-K-3, and Jared is at Rigdon Jared. Let us know what's on your mind regarding IU Baseball. We'd love to have you take part in our conversations. And thanks again for listening, and we look forward to being back next – actually, not next week. Next week is spring break. We look forward to being back in two weeks. Thank you. <laughs>